the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 516 1220. So call in, we'll chat, and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Avon's cutting jobs and moving headquarters, but they're not changing their incorporation. So the headline's a little bit more uh, defanged uh, when you know that. So we all know about companies doing inversions and leaving the country. But uh, they're just transitioning 2,500 jobs out of the company. So the company founded some 130 years ago. You can invest in companies like Avon. I know that's kind of a crazy thought, right? Ding dong, Avon. Um, the thought to me on investing in Avon is there's always going to be ugly people, right? Men and women. So you invest in beauty products. We're getting older and we're a vain society. Now I was joking about the ugly comment. Um, but, uh, remember a couple of years ago, there was a thing where men started wearing mascara. Um, it's $4 stock. I don't like the stock, but that's a concept. Uh, There's always going to be people that want a little luxury and make themselves feel better by looking better. So um, that story is out there. Other stories that are out there today include um, Obama rejecting the new Atlantic Ocean drilling deal. Home builder sentiment sits tight at 58. Builders continue to report problems regarding shortage of uh, lots of parts and labor. Judge Judy earns $47 million a year. That kills me. But you know what kills me more? Dr. Phil McGraw earns $70 million. Oh, and he's not even a doctor. So he's not even a psychiatrist. Okay. So um, 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. The marijuana economy, it's going to hit $44 billion by 2020. Uh, the U.S. retail sales took a dip on falling gasoline prices. Lyft is launching a deal where you can rent a car for $99 a week, but if you do 65 or more rides in a week, you don't have to pay that $99 rental car fee. It's a relationship made with GM as well. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton talk a little financial planning. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, talking money, investing, and much, much more. Mr. Burton, how are you? I'm just wrestling with the mic over here. I'm good. Yeah, that whole mic thing could be kind of tricky. Um, 
Apparently, it's supposed to be in front of your face when you talk. Yeah, and you're supposed to put your lips almost on the microphone yeah. usually, which is something that very few people get for quite a while. Uh, with that said, there's different microphones and there's different investment products. D- different investment products, I think, is the thing that confuses most of our listeners out there. I remember the first time I approached today, 1718, you know, mutual funds. I found some nice Roberts and Stevens technology mutual funds, uh, which oh, I, I talked. Those guys, those yeah. guys were the the greatest small mid cap managers back in the 90s. Fantastic, and that was uh, probably my first brush with greatness, so to speak. I just talked to the information director recently from the old Roberts and Stevens funds because uh, that's the thing I like about LinkedIn. You can kind of see where people used to work. Right, right. Look back in time and go, how was it working with Dan Niles as a tech analyst? Like things like that, and uh, I don't know. It was. It was. Is that where Dan Niles came from? With Roberts and Stevens? I, he did, what, little, he did some work there. Yeah. Um, he went on to be much, much bigger than that. But yeah, he's very forefront media tech analyst still. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that because I don't think I, I don't see him as much as I used to. But then again, I don't watch as much financial media as I used to. Right. Uh, so I'm not watching Bloomberg as much. I'm definitely not watching CNBC as much. Uh, I'm, I guess I'm a little bit more digital financial media. Yep. So. I think a lot of people are. What, I mean, are some, what are some of your sources that you go to these days? Well, we have Bloomberg terminals, which are you know very expensive, so we get a lot of data through that. Um, we've had facts set in the past, so a lot of the stuff that advisors use mm-hmm. um, is you know more on demand. The information's there all the time. In terms of basic publications, I still love the Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Uh, briefing.com, page one, open reports, one of the first things I read. I've got you know Bloomberg on my phone, so I'm getting all the headlines alerts on that. Um, morning is Star? it just the Bloomberg app? Just the Bloomberg app, yeah. Okay. I don't use that one. No, I love it. So. it actually, for, one of the first things I do when I wake up is I have a whole bunch of alerts from Bloomberg in terms of article stories, what happened overseas, things like that. One of the things that's really interesting to me right now is you know the euro versus the dollar, the yen versus the dollar. Why is that interesting to you? Oh, because I think that the opportunities overseas, the value is greater. The quantitative easing is just happening there where it happened five years ago here. Um, so there's a lot of potential for equity growth over there, but there's currency issues that you have to deal with. And um, so I think we're, we're taking a little break on the dollar increase, but I think the longer tre- term trend is still dollar higher. I think parity or, or even less for the euro versus the dollar. Um, but can be wrong. So you got to follow that trend. You got to see if that, that, that chart is con- going to continue in that direction. The reason why I say that is because we own some currency hedged ETFs that invest in a lot of export driven companies overseas and it's done really, really well, but I want to know when to take the profits. So those are shorter term, you know, six to 12 month trades versus most of my investments were through three to five year time horizons. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, I think we are in a world of quantitative easing and you do get to the point where, where do you turn next? As Europe accelerates it, sure, there could be a, a dollar stronger play as there could be an equity stronger play in Europe. Uh, but at some point in time, it's a, it's a currency race that, like, we're all trying to devalue. It's, it, it is pretty interesting. And, yes, it does appear that the United States is trying to change the easing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people, a lot of smart people, a lot of smart people don't think it can happen. And that's an interesting, uh, I'm not going to say poker game, but it's interesting to watch. Because uh, you see billionaires, you know, coming out on financial media going, you know, we're at a top for Chinese stocks. We're at a top for U.S. stocks. We're at a top for it. And then we're going lower. We're going higher. It's like it, it's it's tough for the average person, which, again, I come yeah. back to. Yeah. There's a lot of financial product out there. And that's one of the reasons I tell the average person, invest in your 401k, diversify it, 
go make love to your spouse. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you could pu- just pull up all the people that were talking about, you know, get out of the market in 2013 and how wrong they were or steer clear 100% of emerging market stocks or international stocks in 2014 and look what's advancing in 2015. So the the people that are all in all out, the 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 big headline guys, they're just trying to make a name for themselves, be right once or twice so they can get out there and get a little bit of traction. The ones to listen to are the more steady growers, the Warren Buffetts of the world, the the Bogles of Vanguard. You know, those are the guys that that get it right over the long term. Do you ever look at the Jack Bogle and go, eh, "You're a little bit too old for financial media." Like, <laughs> you're, you're sounding like Grandpa. Max out your 401k and go away and yep. diversify in low cost time in the market. I mean, the message is very repetitive. Yeah, but at the same time, who do you respect in any industry. It's the people that are passionate about what they do. The guy is extremely wealthy, yet he's still out there in financial media. He doesn't need to work. He doesn't he hasn't needed to work for years and years and years, but he still cares about it a lot. And he's been right. I mean, you know, people that have been a part of the market consistently and haven't tried to get in and get out, those are the ones that win. CFB Chad Burton, you can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. I think that's the the one thing I always want to get back to people is don't be shy. America has a looming retirement savings crisis. You must know this. The number of poor near-poor retirees is expected to nearly triple to $25 million by 2050. That's crazy. That represents a rate of poverty among senior citizens not seen since the Great Depression. So, I don't know. I guess a lot of our seniors are going to be living in trailer parks. Um, eating cat food. Maybe you want to invest in cat food at this point in time. I don't know. So, Amazon's trying to patent the pay-by-selfie. I can't make this up. Find me at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. I do appreciate it. So I said something that should scare you, and I hope it does. It talks about a retirement crisis. It's one of the last things that I brought up. I don't want a retirement crisis. I want you to be smart. Um, Here's some things that shouldn't buy at Home Depot or Lowe's. Just to give you an idea, things that are a little bit too pricey. Cleaning supplies. Um, it's tempting to do that impulse purchase and go with their, you know, their green spray or their their mold sprays. Uh, but you'd be better to get those at Target or Walmart or online at Amazon, or even to get like cheaper generic alternatives. So, 
A gallon of simple green all-purpose cleaner costs nearly 10 bucks at both Home Depot and Lowe's, while it's 8.50 at Walmart. Um, so for a three-pack of 105-count Clorox wipes, it's nearly $7 at Lowe's. Um, it's $5 at Target. So home decor you don't want to buy. Um, anything that you want to decorate in your home, uh, get it at TJ Maxx, Ross, Home Goods, anywhere you know cheaper would be with the right idea. Rugs, furniture, picture frames, wall art. Don't buy it at home. It's improvement, home improvement stores. Uh, small appliances, stay away from, uh, like microwaves. Food processors, they're really, really expensive at Home Depot and Lowe's. Uh, grilling accessories, I know it's turning to that time of the year where we're going to stop and say goodbye to the rain and say hello to barbecue. Uh, don't get those at Home Depot or Lowe's. So, again, think Target is the way to go. And one that, when I saw this list, it surprised me a little bit, was batteries. Uh, I was like, hey, get some batteries. You know, I like buying batteries in, like, mega packs, like, you know, 100. Um because I don't like buying batteries. Are you with me on that one? So, uh, best place to buy batteries? Probably Costco. Again, those little things will help you save a little bit more. And, you know, I, I really don't want to live in the world where you have to save money. I just don't want you to spend crazy amounts of money as well. Um, it, it, to me, that's the crisis that's out there. You know, people overspending. Uh, I gave a statistic that Americans Day face a retirement savings crisis. Uh, the poor or the near poor, it's expected to nearly triple to 25 million by the year 2050. That's a lot of people. I think, what are we, a nation of about 300 million people? So that's roughly, roughly one in 11. Um, of people who will be retired will be poor. And that's not people who are living. That's just people who are living in the United States. So that's not even a good, you know, uh, number. Americans between the age of 40 and 55 have an average retirement account balance of $14,500. I laugh at that. Do you know how long $14,500 lasts? Maybe on my budget, four months, five months. Um, now, you can move to Oklahoma, and it'll last a little bit longer. Fewer employers are sponsoring retirement plans for fewer employees. Um you need to start saving more money. So if, and there's a joke in this, in the sense that when you look at who's running for president right now, uh, you basically have a narcissist, a Jewish man, and a woman all ran for president. You could start a joke by saying a narcissist, a, a Jew, and a woman walked into a bar. But they're running for president right now, and none of them are saying, I'm going to make retirement a focus, a priority. None of them. I'm going to try to get more Americans out of poverty. None of them. Well, maybe uh, Bernie Sanders. Um, that message would resonate with me. That message would resonate really, really well with me. So if Frankenstein were to run for president and say that he's going to make mandatory savings in 401ks, um, starting at, a, at at your first job, anytime the government takes tax money out, um, there's a mandatory savings program put in place in your name at Fidelity Vanguard or T. Rowe Price, Ameritrade, whatever. Um, when there's a paycheck process, there's a savings component to it. I'd vote for that person in a heartbeat. I know you're saying, but I need my money. I need my my cigarettes. <laughs> Judge Judy makes $47 million a year. How is that possible? 
it's about what is it, eight point five million dollars. Uh, it's a pretty good payday, to say the least. So I was going to say about eight point five. No, that's too much. I'm trying to figure out how much she gets per hour. Ellen DeGeneres, she makes seventy-five million dollars pre-tax. That ain't too shabby, huh? Dr. Phil McGraw, seventy million. The incredibly tiny, impish uh, leprechaun Ryan Seacrest, he makes sixty million a year. Uh, Howard Stern, ninety-five plus million dollars a year. So not too shabby. Doctor, not doctored, but Judge Judith Sadline. She's worth two hundred and fifty million plus dollars. Not too shabby. I rule in her favor. Uh, yoga is spreading. I know you're saying, how can I invest in yoga? Um, it's still getting hotter and, and it's still growing. A new survey by the Yoga Alliance. Can you imagine that there's a Yoga Alliance and a Yoga Journal? Like, talking about a BS job that you just make up for yourself. I'm going to start a yoga alliance. But they queried 2,000 people in the general population. And they queried 1,700 yoga practitioners. study was set out to quantify the spread of yoga across the United States, but it also looks at who's practicing yoga. Yoga is practiced by about 37 million people in the United States. That's up from about 20 million three years ago. That's pretty good growth. And when I see that, I think Lululemon... I think Nike, um, L Brands, which does Victoria's Secret, which does women's physical gear tied towards stretching and yoga, uh, athleisure, growing category. So the sex differences are starting to dissipate. Many years ago, it was women outnumbering men four to one. That's where I should go to meet a woman, right? Um... Because when there's four of them to one of you, even when you're pudgy like me, you still look pretty good <laughs> mathematically, right? Okay, you're saying no. Drop it. Borderline creepy. Borderline creepy. Borderline creepy. Creep alert. Creep alert. Creep alert. But Americans spent about $16 billion on classes, gear, and accessory, um, up from $10 billion three years ago. That's not too bad. So yoga clothes look fine. Fine. They're very style. Well, athleisure clothes have just gotten a lot more stylish in the last three years as well. So I know you're saying, so Rob turned yoga into an investment story. You know, earlier in the show, you heard me turn P into an investment story as well. I can do anything. So um, I think I can do anything. Look at me. I can fly. So other things out there in the world of investments? Healthy food's not doing well. The fresh market's going private. Whole foods down 38% last year. Same store sales down 1.8%. 800-516-1220. calls on the air. Find me at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com.
Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Joining me now, talk a little stock market, talk a little market update, the one and the only, Patrick O'Hare from Briefing.com. How are you, Patrick? Hey, Rob. Good morning. I'm doing well. Thank you. So let's talk markets. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked. Um, year started off a little bit on the slow side performance-wise, and then it's caught back up. But all is not well, is it? Uh, not from our vantage point. Um, you know, the uh, the stock market, uh, as you allude to, has certainly had a, a, a tremendous turnaround here off the uh, February 11th intraday low. And uh, we think that that was, you know, the, the two main elements contributing to that turnaround were uh, the market concluding that the U.S. economy is not going to fall into a recession uh, soon. And, uh, and then in turn, uh, as that got filtered through the market, there was pretty much a massive short covering um, uh, contribution rally uh, that helped uh, exacerbate the gains. And then uh, I'll add a third factor. I think you saw some then some repositioning trades where those cyclical sectors that were totally abandoned in the early part of the year were then bought back again um, on the basis of this idea that the U.S. economy, while not uh, exactly strong, is not uh, necessarily um, going to slip into a recession. So you saw some real nice gains in those very heavily weighted sectors, that being financial technology uh, and energy and consumer discretionary in particular. Now, we are slowing a little bit, it looks like, in the U.S. I saw retail sales not the greatest. GDP forecasts are being trimmed back. Um, Is this going to lead to a recession, in your opinion? Well, you know, not at this juncture. I mean, we're still growing slowly, right? But it, it kind of feels like a recession, right? Because we've been just stuck in this uh, low growth rut for for many, many years now, and uh, and that's really the great, you know, uh, question and bothersome point here for a lot of people is, you know, why isn't the economy doing better than it is with all of that policy stimulus we've seen from the Federal Reserve, and then, of course, all the policy stimulus we've seen abroad, and then you look at some of these export. Uh, numbers, not just for the U.S., but looking at China, looking at Japan, looking at South Korea, looking at Germany, right? They're all somewhat disheartening here with, you know, multiple months um, of year-over-year declines because it just speaks to a general level of, of weak aggregate demand globally. Uh, and so um, so, you're, so that's another factor that's, that's holding things back here. But I don't think we're uh, necessarily going to slip, uh, fall into a recession here, but what I've been reminding briefing.com readers is that you know this market rally that we've seen has has been built on the back of better than expected economic news, uh, but that's not the same thing as saying it's been built on the back of strong economic news, right? This was a case of headlines uh, uh, expectations having been surpassed, but you know let's look at say like the revision to the fourth quarter GDP report, right? That was better than expected, but we're looking at one percent growth. Right, versus 0.7% at the original report. So, not gangbusters by any mean, and and the second quarter is tracking uh, somewhat better, but still, you know, likely to be in that uh, low growth neighborhood of about two percent. Yeah, something just doesn't add up right now. The jobs numbers are too good. The retail sales are okay. But the auto sales are great. The home sales are pretty good, and we're stuck at that GDP that's just a little bit on the anemic side. Something doesn't feel right in the numbers. 
And it, it, it shows you why Republicans can say the economy isn't great. It could show you why the Democrats say the economy is great. It's, it's, it's fascinating to look at. Yeah, you know, and I read something from Robert Samuelson in the Washington uh, Post the other day here, uh, kind of speaking to that point is, you know, why, why aren't things adding up? You know, why is productivity so weak right now when you've got a job market that looks to be, you know, pretty at full employment? Uh, one of the uh, arguments is that the, uh, you know, the data is not being captured accurately uh, these days in this new digital economy, and so it's not, you know, accounting for some of the uses of, say, uh, Google and uh, properly, you know, and how that factors into uh, business productivity and things of, things of that nature. But um, the, the, con- the concluding point of that article, however, is that, you know, they just don't know, right? Uh, but things are definitely uh, amiss there when you look at uh, the, the tremendously, you know, weak levels of productivity we're seeing now, um, uh, despite, as you allude to, um, you know, a, a job market that looks to be, you know, fairly solid, um, albeit a lot of job gains are still kind of accruing to uh, more of the lower-paying positions, but um, but we're certainly in a better position here today than we were, you know, five, six, seven years ago, and that's something to, uh, you know, to be, uh, com- you know, commended. The Federal Reserve obviously meeting this week and. I think the expectation now is for maybe a June hike. Is that a headwind or a tailwind, in your opinion, for the U.S. stock markets? Well, I, I think it boils down to whether the market uh, really concludes that it believes that the rate hike is occurring for the right reasons, uh, and that okay. being that uh, the economy uh, is picking up, and with that, we'll, uh, you'll see a pickup in earnings growth prospects. Uh, but if the you know, market is somewhat leery of that and is more inclined to think that the Fed is wanting to raise rates more to get some insurance in its back pocket in the event it needs to uh, use the policy rate uh, as a stimulus tool down the road, uh, I don't know if it will be so enthused by that type of development here. Um, but from what I can gather in listening to these Fed officials is that you know I think that they're really – going to try to reorient the market's thinking uh, back to the idea that uh, there could be multiple rate hikes still this year. Um, you know, the Fed Funds futures market is looking at, I think, one rate hike this year. Um, and so if you continue to get positive surprises on the data and you start seeing some pickup in inflationary readings, um, I think the, the Fed is really going to try and clamp down on the market's very dovish view of, of where the Fed funds rate is, is likely to be by the end of the year. Any commentary on Trump and uh, the Republicans and the Democrats and what's shaping up as the political season? I guess we're kind of down to three candidates, uh, Clinton, Sanders, and Trump, sort of. Right. Well, the, the field has narrowed, um, but it seems like the element of uncertainty is still as wide as ever here, you know, as to what uh, is ultimately going to um, come about with respect to to whom the actual nominees are are going to be, and um, the, the most I would care to want to comment on on politics here is to simply to say that the you know the uncertainty factor there still looms large, um, uh, and that we might learn uh, something more though on the other side of today's uh, primaries, important primaries in Florida and Ohio, which uh, reportedly will uh, could be a you know be all end all in terms of uh, who the actual nominees are going to be. If you think Trump's going to win the election, should 
you invest in Canadian real estate at this point? Um, I I don't want to go there, Rob. I, I just don't I don't know at this point. I mean, there, even if there's even if say he were to get the nomination, I mean, I know that there's still chatter out there. You know, maybe you have some type of broker convention. You know, maybe as a plurality of delegates, but not you know an overwhelming majority of delegates. And so I don't know if necessarily that uh, that uh, if things if you get closure there anyway on the other side of the Florida and Ohio primaries. But we'll just have to wait and see. Mm-hmm. And I hope you realize I was kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Political investing jokes don't really go over terribly well. Uh, what else are you working on right now that you think is important for us to pay attention to? Well, I, I will be updating um, yeah, the briefing.com market view uh, later this week. Uh, when I did so at the end of uh, 2015, I suggested that, you know, there were some elements coming together that suggested there was a uh, uh, an approaching storm. Uh, that might hit the market, uh, and uh, that proved to be the case, certainly in the early part of the year. Um, but the, the main takeaway from the piece, essentially, and what will probably continue to be the main takeaway from the new updated view is, is simply that investors this year probably should not really expect much in terms of returns for the stock market. Um, you have a fully valued market right now trading a little over 17 times forward 12-month earnings. That's a premium to the 15-year average. Um, you have a Fed that really, I think, does want to raise interest rates. could be problematic. Uh, and you still have, you know, weak levels of aggregate demand. And so I don't think you're seeing, a, you're seeing earnings continue to come down. And with the earnings estimates declining and, and global economic growth generally pretty sluggish, it just doesn't seem to be the best recipe here for uh, some outsized returns for, uh, for stocks this year. Well, thanks for your help. Okay, thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, it's Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. I start my morning every day by hitting his page one outlook. Um, it's a professional service. I think he does a pretty nice job uh, of not getting biased. And again, my Trump joke aside, uh, that might show some bias or not show some bias, but a lot of Americans are saying they're going to move to Canada if uh, Trump wins. And therefore, the supply and demand, you would want to buy real estate in maybe Toronto probably the most Americanized city in Canada or Vancouver. So I guess I could throw that one in as well. Anyway, a um, lot going on in the markets right now. And you can find out more about briefing at briefing.com. It's briefing.com. It's, you know, February retail sales report was disappointing. It included some downward revisions for January. Um, Dover issued a sizable first quarter earnings warnings due to weakness in oil and gas related in markets. Um, a lot of political uncertainty in the air but maybe we get a little bit more of that cleared up sooner than later. Uh, Florida and Ohio, obviously, are big primaries from today. Bank of Japan left its policy rate unchanged at negative 1%, uh, downgrading its economic outlook. It didn't acknowledge in its statement that it will take rates further into negative territory if needed, and that has contributed to the thinking that monetary policy hasn't been effective in reversing economic prospects. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me at robblackshow.com.
Welcome in, Rob Black, your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Retail sales dipped in February on falling gas prices. Um, right after that, Barclays, big bank, big investment bank, cut U.S. GDP forecast from 2.4% down to 1.9%. So it's telling you that consumer spending is kind of tepid. I know you're saying, I love him, both men and women. A man that could use the word tepid in a sentence. You're welcome. You're welcome. I know. Big words. Big words. Tepid. Big five-letter word. Woo-hoo-hoo. Stretching. I am. Don't have enough content for this show. I do. So consumer spending going to remain tepid is the thought. <clears throat> um, we saw a 4.4% drop in the value of sales at gas stations. Gasoline prices dropped 9% in February. Woohoo! But they're up. My gas station locally hit a low of 245, I think. It's back up to 265. Boo! Uh, clothing store sales rose nine tenths of a percent. Not bad. Building materials and garden stores gained about 1.6%. That's good for Home Depot and Lowe's, right? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Furniture stores fell one half a percent. Sporting goods up 1.2%. Although we recently did a story here about millennials and how they're exercising differently. They're playing a lot of like ping pong games that you don't really need. <clears throat> well, I'll just leave it at that. We're not going out and buying bowling balls and other sporting goods like tennis rackets. Um, restaurant and bars increased 1%. I did my part for that. Electronics and appliance stores slipped one-tenth of a percent. So those are the stories that you must, must know. And I know what you're saying. I must know. I must know. Um, Amazon's doing something kind of weird. They're streaming videos of Julia Child. I know you're saying, Julia Child, I don't know who that is. Think cooking. Think with butter. Um <clears throat> Twitch, which is owned by Amazon, it began a four-day marathon of Julia Child cooking shows yesterday or today, and it's ex- trying to expand its audience beyond video game fans. Twitch, you can actually watch other people play video games, which I find the, the almost, you think about p- kids playing video games on the couch and eating chips, how about you just not even play the video games, you watch other play- people play video games. It's like that crazy guy, uh, John McAfee, he had a business plan where he wants to have you watch people exercise. Now, for the, the perverts out there, that might be, you know, something you'd want to do. <laughs> Look at the sweat. <laughs> but watching people play video games? Anyway, so watching people cook. Amazon purchased Twitch for $1 billion. They draw 100 million unique viewers each month. It makes money by selling subscriptions and advertising, which it shares with 2 million broadcasters who stream the content. Um, they started Twitch Creative, which features artists, chefs, and musicians in October, which is relatively new. The Julia Child Marathon reveals Twitch's ambitions to grow beyond gaming into new categories. The same way its parent company began selling books online, eventually became an e-commerce powerhouse, staggering number of products. Amazon also uses video as a customer marketing and retention strategy, offering free video streaming as part of its $99 a year Amazon Prime membership. Twitch focuses on live broadcasts, which enable viewers to interact with broadcasters in chat rooms on the site in real time. 
Twitch could grow to be worth $20 million in five years. Whoa! And they paid $1 billion for it. Sweet! Um, but these are both dead people. Julia Child and the guy, Bob Ross. Um, I know you're saying Bob Ross, Bob Ross. He's on it, too. Um, pioneers in how-to television. Bob Ross was the, the, the painter guy. So, pioneers in how-to television shows, right? So, I, I see what Amazon's trying to do. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, Lyft is launching a car rental program, and I think this is a really neat story. General Motors plans to use a partnership with Lyft to put its cars in the hands of drivers. A new Lyft program, and Lyft is a lot like Uber, called Express Drive, is set to start in Chicago later this month. It will let you be a driver and have the chance to rent cars for $99 a week plus 20 cents a mile. Okay, I know you're saying, okay, let's do the math on that. That's, what is that, seven, about $15 a day plus 20 cents a mile. So the programs aim to expand Lyft's pool of drivers and motivate them to rack up business by reducing rental costs for those who reach certain targets for providing rides. If you provide 65 rides or more in a week, you don't pay the $99 weekly car rental fee. Not too shabby. I like the idea, right? Program comes two months after GM pumped $500 million into Lyft with the intention of collaborating on projects related to self-driving cars. Lyft is a smaller rival of Uber. Uber operates in about 400 cities worldwide. Lyft about 190 in the United States. Uber offers car rentals through partnerships with Enterprise Rent-A-Car. Cox Automotive's FlexDrive. Automakers, including GM, offer sizable discounts to Uber operators looking to purchase a car. So Lyft's Express Drive could help shrink the numbers gap between those wanting to be one of the drivers and those who qualified qualified to do so. I like the idea. It's a fun idea, right? Um, Uber has a rental program as well. That's open to drivers in 10 cities, including San Francisco, New Jersey, L.A., Nashville, and Atlanta. Drivers pay $210 a week for Toyota Corolla. Includes unlimited miles, but excludes the cost of gas and taxes. So... If you provide 40 or more rides, you get the 20-cent mileage charge waived. If you provide 65 rides, you don't pay the $99 weekly fee. Very cool to see where they're going with us. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Sign up. Interact with me. I'm there. Hopefully you will be too. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.